Hello and welcome to Nailing It Down, a podcast dedicated to reporting and analyzing current events, tapping whatever knowledge and expertise we can find to get as close to the truth as possible. I'm Mark Kelly. Before Donald J. Trump was elected president, and since that fateful day in November 2016, people and pundits, especially those who have seen him up close and personal, have warned that he's, to put it bluntly, nuts. Columnist Maureen Dowd called him batty. Her print colleague Gail Collins used the word unhinged. Columnist Frank Brunei reported a majority of Italians think he's nuts. Across Europe, Brunei says, he's viewed with general bafflement and discomfort. Others have labeled him, among other terms of concern, delusional, deranged, sadistic, a moron, and just plain crazy. Long, long before Trump took office, ghostwriter Tony Schwartz spent 18 months with him, helping create the phony success story Trump touted in his 1987 book, The Art of the Deal, and later on, TV's Apprentice Show. Faced with the prospect of a President Trump, Schwartz told New Yorker magazine, I genuinely believe that if Trump wins and gets the nuclear codes, there is an excellent possibility it will lead to the end of civilization. Is Donald Trump mentally ill or, as his supporters argue, is he crazy like a fox, projecting a dangerous irrationality to keep his enemies off balance and inspire the faithful, sort of like Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon? In this episode of Nailing It Down, we'll examine evidence from a number of sources. If Trump's fans are right, he may be a brilliant strategist. But if Tony Schwartz is right, we could be heading for a world of hurt. First, a couple of stories that raise concern. One involves Trump's oldest son, Don Jr. It surfaced just days before the November 2016 election. A man named Scott Melker, who lived next door to Don Jr. in the freshman dorm at the University of Pennsylvania, felt compelled to share this story in hopes, he said in a Facebook posting, that it will shed a bit of light on the kind of person that Donald Trump is. According to Melker, the elder Donald Trump arrived at his son's door to take him to a baseball game. The presence of a famed real estate developer drew a bit of a crowd before Don Jr. appeared in his doorway wearing a Yankees jersey. Without saying a word, Melker tells us, his father slapped him across the face, knocking him to the floor in front of all of his classmates. He, Donald Sr., simply said, put on a suit and meet me outside, and closed the door. Melker said Don Jr. absolutely despised his father and hated the attention that his last name afforded him. Admitting he planned to vote for Hillary Clinton, Melker wrote, In light of what I saw that day, it is clear to me that Donald Trump lacks the temperament and basic social decency to run our country. The other story was published in Harry Hurt III's 1993 book, Tycoon, The Many Lives of Donald J. Trump. Hurt reported that Trump's ex-wife, Ivana, filed a deposition during their divorce proceedings in 1990, accusing Trump of raping her in a fit of rage. In Hurt's account, according to an October 2016 New Yorker article, Trump was furious that a scalp reduction operation he'd undergone to eliminate a bald spot had been unexpectedly painful. Ivana had recommended the plastic surgeon. 
In retaliation, Hurt wrote, Trump yanked out a handful of his wife's hair and then forced himself on her sexually. Afterward, according to the book, she spent the night locked in her bedroom, crying. In the morning, Trump asked her with menacing casualness, does it hurt? Trump has denied both the rape allegation and the suggestion that he had a scalp reduction procedure. Hertz said that the incident, which is detailed in Ivana's deposition, was confirmed by two of her friends. Ivana later amended her words, saying she didn't want the word rape understood in a literal or criminal sense. Hurt thinks Ivana changed her tune, perhaps at the urging of Donald's lawyers, because she was promised a $14 million divorce settlement. Here's a brand new story that has played out behind the scenes as Congress passed a trillion-dollar spending bill to forestall a government shutdown. At the last minute, Trump threatened to veto the bill because it lacked funding for a border wall. Trigger alert here, harsh language just ahead. According to TheHill.com and The Wall Street Journal, when aides told him that he could face backlash for allowing the government shutdown on a weekend he was scheduled to spend at his Florida resort, Trump responded, fuck that. Trump's response showed no concern for the disruption a government shutdown would have on many lives. He eventually signed the measure. In the wake of the turbulent events, TheHill.com pointed out that White House sources told the journal that Trump has been behaving more erratically with tweets and comments and administration chaos in recent weeks. Never been this wild, one source told the paper. The New York Times' report on the spending bill and Trump's flip-flop described his comments after signing the measure as a rambling and disjointed statement. And, the Times said, the president's whipsaw behavior left both political parties in Washington reeling and some of his own aides bewildered about the president's contradictory actions. The Times continued, it was only the latest instance of Mr. Trump chafing against the advice of his advisors and throwing his own brand of chaos into the gears of the federal government. Are these the actions of a man who is insensitive, violent, and unable to control his worst impulses? A man who's crazy? Tony Schwartz, who has spent more time up close and personal with Donald Trump than probably anyone outside of family and friends, says yes. In a November 2017 interview with the independent newspaper Britain, Schwartz claimed the world leader had the characteristics of a sociopath, and the prospect of millions of deaths did not rouse normal feelings of guilt. My second greatest fear about Trump after launching nuclear weapons, Schwartz told the paper, is his amazing ability to normalize horrific behaviors by repeating them so often that people eventually go numb. Said Schwartz, scares the bejesus out of me. He added, all of America needs to understand that this is a person who is now exceptionally dangerous because he is losing his grip. Armchair psychologists, including Schwartz, blame Trump's condition on his reportedly overbearing father. In Fire and Fury, his book about life inside the Trump White House, Michael Campbell observes what he calls an eerie resemblance between Jared Kushner's father, Charlie, and Trump's dad. Without telling us how he knows it, Campbell tells us both men use their money and power to dominate and subdue their children, and they did this so completely that their children, despite their demands, became devoted to them. In both instances, this was extreme stuff. Belligerent, uncompromising, ruthless, amoral men creating long-suffering offspring who were driven to achieve their father's approval. Campbell tells us parenthetically that Trump's older brother, Freddie, 
failing in this effort, and by many reports gay, drank himself to death. He died in 1981 at age 43. In a January 2018 Guardian newspaper article, Tony Schwartz says that in 2007, in a brief and rare moment of self-awareness, Trump recognized his father's harsh influence. Quote, That's why I'm so screwed up, Trump said, because I had a father who pushed me so hard. End of quote. As an adult, Campbell reports, Trump aspires to look like his father, or anyway, not to displease his father. Except when he's in golf wear, it is hard to imagine him out of a suit and tie. He is uncomfortable when the men around him are not wearing suit and ties. Could that scar left by his hard-nosed demanding father explain the rage with which he greeted his own son's failure to dress appropriately for a baseball game? Trump attended a private prep school before his parents shipped him off to military school as punishment for taking trips without their approval, effectively distancing him from any normal parental affection during his teenage years. Tony Schwartz concluded that to survive, especially his father, Trump felt compelled to go to war with the world. You either dominated or you submitted. You either created and exploited fear or you succumbed to it, as he thought his older brother had. This narrow defensive outlook took hold at a very early age, and it never evolved. He quotes Trump as saying, When I look at myself in first grade and I look at myself now, I'm basically the same. His development as a person essentially ended in early childhood. Of Trump more recently, Schwartz tells us his temperament and his habits have hardened with age. He is significantly angrier today, more reactive, deceitful, distracted, vindictive, impulsive, and above all, self-absorbed. Schwartz says fear is Trump's constant companion, fear of weakness, of inadequacy, of failure, of criticism, and of insignificance. Schwartz believes Trump has spent his life trying to outrun these fears by winning, as he puts it, and by redefining reality. A key part of his story is that whenever the facts don't serve the narrative he seeks to create, he fabricates new ones. For Donald Trump, according to Tony Schwartz, facts are whatever Trump deems them to be on any given day. Schwartz admits he's not a professional psychiatrist, but everything he has seen and heard has convinced him that the President of the United States suffers from a serious personality disorder. He believes Trump's chief of staff, John Kelly, knows Trump is deeply disturbed and utterly untrustworthy, and that Kelly has stayed in the White House hoping to manage Trump, believing that it's better for him to be there than not to be there. Do professional psychologists and psychiatrists agree with Tony Schwartz, Frank Brunei, Maureen Dowd, and most of the citizens of Italy? The psychiatric profession is gripped by a debate over whether practitioners should attempt to diagnose anyone without a direct examination, but some have spoken out anyway. Longtime psychiatry professor Dr. John Gartner, a specialist in treating borderline personality disorders, started a petition on Change.org directed to the president's cabinet. It reads, We, the undersigned, mental health professionals, believe in our professional judgment that Donald Trump manifests a serious mental illness that renders him psychologically incapable of complete, competently discharging the duties of President of the United States, and we respectfully request he be removed from office, according to Article 4 of the 25th Amendment to the Constitution, which states that the President will be replaced if he is, quote, unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, unquote. 
As of March 25th, more than 70,000 people had signed it. Another group of psychiatrists appealed to presidential physician Rear Admiral Ronnie Jackson to include a psychiatric examination in President Trump's annual physical. Jackson tested Trump's cognitive functions, things like attention, concentration, working memory, and pronounced Trump fit for duty. Jackson did not look for evidence of mental illness or personality disorder. A group of 27 mental health professionals contributed to The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, a collection of essays edited by Dr. Bandy Lee, who teaches in the Law and Psychiatry Department at Yale School of Medicine. Lee convened a Duty to Warn conference at Yale, where about 800 professionals formed a coalition because, as Dr. Lee put it, they are sufficiently alarmed that they feel the need to speak up about the mental health status of the president. Dr. Gartner, whose petition would invoke the 25th Amendment on Trump, wrote in Lee's book, Trump is bad, mad, and getting worse. He evinces the most destructive and dangerous collection of psychiatric symptoms possible for a leader. The worst-case scenario is now a reality. In another essay in Lee's book, Dr. Michael J. Tanzi, a clinical psychologist working in Chicago, wrote, There is considerable evidence to suggest that absolute tyranny is Donald Trump's wet dream. Tanzi notes what he calls Trump's violent delusions. For instance, when he told a campaign crowd he would love to, quote, hit and hit and hit his Democratic Party critics until their heads spin and they'll never recover, unquote. Tanzi reminds readers that Trump shared highly classified information with Russia's ambassador and foreign minister that may have led to the deaths of embedded Israeli spies. Tanzi chillingly reflects on how Trump would behave if a computer-related malfunction sent Trump a false report that Russian missiles had been launched. Tanzi predicts, if, indeed, Trump harbors grandiose and paranoid delusions, for which there is mounting evidence, he would have launched missiles faster than he fires off paranoid tweets on a Saturday morning. In his essay, Dr. Henry J. Friedman, professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, picks up on Tanzi's connection of paranoia to totalitarian desires. Paranoid character structure, he writes, consistently produces ideas and responses that find exaggerated danger and malevolent intent in others and in situations the individual encounters. He sees paranoia when Trump says the U.S. is in decline and when he attributes that decline to the first black president. Trump told campaign crowds Obama left American carnage. As Hitler held up the Jews as the big threat to German society, Trump holds up illegal immigrants but offers absolutely no factual evidence to support his paranoid views. Friedman points out that a paranoid, hypersensitive, grandiose, ill-informed leader, such as Donald Trump, who surrounds himself with a cabinet and a set of advisors who either are unable to bring him out of his paranoid suspicions or worse, identify with his positions, represents a multidimensional threat to our country and the world. Friedman confirms Tony Schwartz's concerns about Trump. Thinking Trump will grow up is wishful thinking, he writes. It grossly underestimates the importance of Trump's adult paranoid character with its belief in an apocalyptic vision of a weak, diminished United States that only he can save from the liberal Democrats who oppose his authority. At this point, Friedman offers advice relevant to all the pundits and political experts and the rest of us. 
He says it is nearly impossible to change someone psychologically after their paranoid, delusional personality has solidified. And he says the paranoid character's angry retaliation against those he sees as betraying him will likely not make sense to the rest of us. In other words, if Trump is irrational, and more and more observers, including leaders in Trump's own political party, are reaching that conclusion, although most do not say it out loud, and they're realizing they can't make sense out of what he says and does because it doesn't make sense in the first place, trying to impose rational meaning on the rantings of an irrational mind is basically a waste of time. But the psychiatrists and psychologists say we can't just shake our heads and try to ignore Trump. In Lee's book, Dr. James Gilligan, clinical professor of psychiatry and an expert on violence, wrote, If we are silent about the numerous ways in which Donald Trump has repeatedly threatened violence, incited violence, or boasted about his own violence, we are passively supporting and enabling the dangerous and naive mistake of treating him as if he were a normal president or a normal political leader. He is not. And it is our duty to say so, and to say it publicly. He is unprecedentedly and abnormally dangerous. End of quote. How dangerous, you might ask? Gilligan offers this chilling assessment. Quote, Trump is now the most powerful head of state in the world and one of the most impulsive, arrogant, ignorant, disorganized, chaotic, nihilistic, self-contradictory, self-important, and, and self-serving. As he is at this moment, Gilligan warns that Trump could kill more people in a few seconds than any dictator in past history has been able to kill during his entire years in power. If you're still skeptical about the President of the United States being crazy, I urge you to find a copy of Dr. Bandy Lee's book, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. These aren't talking heads on some cable news channel. They're highly skilled professionals trained to spot and treat severe psychological disorders. And when they examine Trump, through the criteria for paranoid personality disorder and malignant narcissism, they see overwhelming evidence that he is a very sick man. One of Dr. Lee's experts reminds us that in August 2016, 50 Republicans, yes, Republicans, with national security and foreign policy experience, published a letter in the New York Times rejecting Trump as a candidate for the nation's highest office. In part, they said, quote, Trump is not qualified to be president and commander-in-chief. He would be a dangerous president and would put at risk our nation's national security and well-being. In the Oval Office, he would be the most reckless president in American history. Those voices have been largely silent since the election, and Republicans in Congress, with a handful of exceptions, have made no response to expressions of concern from psychiatric experts. In her essay in Dr. Lee's book, therapist Diane Jewick concurs with her colleague's unofficial diagnosis of Trump and pleads with those in power to take action now. The public record shows, she says, that Trump has been insulated by inherited wealth and that his father had similar mental health disturbances. She says Trump has distanced himself from possible checks and balances while enabling his own disorder a lack of insight and confirmation-seeking that makes certain mental disorders particularly dangerous in a position of power. She adds her warning that, unchecked, his patterns of behavior will have potentially dire impact on every individual living not only in his nation, but across the entire globe. The earth itself is in peril, both from the urgent issues that are not being addressed while an unstable man sits in the Oval Office, and by the new urgencies he creates.
Mr. Trump is and has demonstrated himself to be a danger to others, not just one person or a few, but possibly to all others. If these experts haven't convinced you that a madman has the helm of our ship of state, I urge you to read Dr. Lee's book, again, the title, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump. If you are already convinced that Donald Trump suffers from a dangerously debilitating personality disorder, then it's time to act. Contact your congressional delegation, especially if they're Republicans, and demand that they take this issue seriously. As I was putting this podcast together, hundreds of thousands of Americans were marching in Washington, D.C. and in communities across the country, demanding that our mostly self-serving political leaders serve us by getting guns under control. As the students from Florida have forced us to see, this is an urgent issue that must be addressed soon to save lives. The issue of Donald Trump's impaired mental health is urgent, too. He should be removed from his position. Failure to pull his hands from the levers of power could cost countless lives. That's it for this go-round. I welcome your feedback at kellymark2 at gmail.com. That's kellymark2 at gmail.com. You can also request a transcript of this episode through that same email address. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again. The theme music you are about to hear rising up under my voice is called Awkward Situation. It's by Vortex. If you like the podcast, please tell your friends. Part of the mission here is to provide a corrective to the misleading and deceitful harangues of right-wing demagogues and talk show hosts who have been punching the daylights out of legitimate, dedicated professional journalists for far too long. Together, we can make a difference. I'm Mark Kelly, and this is Nailing It Down. 